Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. All right. Um, this is a message that's not a part of any series. It is a, I could have crammed it into the other series. Honestly, you know, here's, let me just be transparent with you. Any preacher can, tra- can slam anything into any series. Honestly, like you can make it fit. It's easy enough, I suppose. Right, Ed? Yeah. What do any of us know? But uh, the title of today's message uh, is Burning Out or Burning On. And I want to talk to you about this as we launch into camp and as we launch into the season of summer. And I've noticed around uh, the circles that I travel in that in, in these days, I find that a lot of folks who, a lot of church leaders especially, who have kind of dealt with the last two years. It's weird because now is the time everybody's feeling tired. Um, I don't know if you know what that's like. If you've done a lot of running or you've been an athlete of some sort, you know how you kind of catch your that wind in the middle of uh, whatever you're competing in, and you could go a long, long time in that, and you don't really feel anything. Uh, but then at the end of it, you crash. And I feel like that's where a lot of our leaders, even in our church, are these days. And so uh, the title of the message is for you, and it's also a warning for all of you who are walking into the new things that God is calling you to. You can burn out or you can burn on. That's actually your two options. And either of those things can happen to anyone. Um, and uh, so, so let's just start with, let's start with this. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Uh, it says, but by the grace of God, this is Paul speaking, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. This verse um, is, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not honor its context in the chapter for a moment, if, that's, if you can just stick with me on that. Uh, but at the same time, I want to I point out that talking through some parts of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, it, it really is the, the thing that wears a lot of leaders down. It's the kind of thing that wears parents down. It's the kind of things that wears uh, managers and employers down, dealing with people and their arguments and their attitudes and their things and the situations that are beyond our control. Um, For the last few months, Amy and I have been feeling a little more tired than usual. And uh, honestly, a little closer to the sense of burnout than we'd like. Now, I know burnout personally. I have, I've been through that process at least two times, and both times nearly resulted in a nervous breakdown for me. So I don't have the desire to ever live through burnout. It's a horrible, horrible place to be, but there's a reason for it. And so one of the things uh, we talk about often at Generations Church is to honor the principle of rest, and that is uh, the free one for you this morning. To avoid burnout, make sure you honor the principle of rest. And uh, that would be to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You need to take a day and set it apart for the Lord. And, and Jesus reiterates God's heart for that, which is that the Sabbath is made for man, not man made for the Sabbath. So it's not a religious duty, but it's actually something that God asks us to do from his heart to ours for the sake of our preservation and for the sake of our promotion. Okay, Those who fail at rest will burn, they'll crash, they will burn out. It's just a matter of time. Um, so um, Amy and I are going to be taking a break this summer, and um, we are, uh, we're dropping Jake in as far, as far north as you can go by car. 
No, I'm just kidding. It's not quite that far north, but it's pretty far north. And we're going to holiday kind of on our way up and there and on our way back. And we're going to take a rest this summer. And you're gonna, this will be the last time I preach until uh, some point in September. And um, I want you to understand the example that we're setting. It's, it's an example for, for our benefit, but it's also for your benefit uh, that we would step back. It does amazing things. It creates vacuum, which causes other people to step up. It allows room for other people to grow. And I mean, there's just there's so many benefits that God adds to it. Um, but uh, on top of the fact that we're starting camp today, I want to point out it is one of the most energy-consuming events our church does. Camp is like, it is like a, it's like a seven-day marathon where, I mean, you know, we got parents, you got to come for supper and hang out because we put the kids to bed, and then we stay up till two o'clock in the morning playing cards, eating unhealthy snacks, and drinking way too much caffeine. You know, Christine's already wussing out, midnight, I'm out of here. Oh, come on, Christine. We stay up too late and we have too much fun and we're so exhausted at the end. But what's amazing is, is that I think anyone who's been there will, will attest to this. And that is that at the end of it all, the, the sense is it's so worth it. And even though I'm exhausted, I'm refreshed. And, and this, is a, this is an understanding we need to have about how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God is absolutely a kingdom that requires your life and my life to be completely poured out. But it's also a kingdom that allows and causes us to be filled to overflowing. And that, if you want to call it that dichotomy or that tension that we live in, is the sweet spot when we're in God's will doing what he's put us on this earth to do. And that's what our heart is for each of us to discover. So you got to rest, you got to be able to, to get your head in. And, and by the way, this is going to be a half-hour conversation or lecture that by no means can, en can encompass everything that matters to this conversation. And every Sunday is the same in every church on, the, on this planet. Your, your pastors, your leaders, your teachers, they, we stand in this spot and we teach for you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes, depending on sometimes 60 or 70 and we just keep adding on time trying to get the point across. But you just, you just can't. You can't show up to church once and think you're fed. you got, you got, to, you got to be in the habit of church so that, so that you are continually connected to what God is saying to his people. So anyways, um, I, want you to, I want you to hear this, know this, believe this, and then understand it. Because sometimes understanding comes after the hearing and believing. Okay, uh, I want you to know that it is not possible to burn out, that it is not possible to burn out doing the thing God has specifically called you to. It's impossible. Now, I know some of you who have been in church for a long time have questions immediately because you have seen men or women of God burn out. And how can that be? Well, I hope that we can kind of get there before the end. But, but just, just understand this. The reason for this is that because whatever he calls you to carries in its boundaries the grace necessary to complete the task. Now let me explain why I'm saying within its boundaries. That's because in Greek, in the Greek, there's this word metron. And metron is, is the word that is often used with grace in the Bible. It's an associated word. And what it, what it is implying is that everywhere that grace is, this metron is the area in which that grace is, is there. It's flourishing. In other words, there are boundaries to the grace of God. 
Now, the grace of God is limitless in and of itself because of who he is, but how you get to move in that grace is limited by the metron, by the boundary of that grace. Now, it's a hard word to understand in English. It's honestly, we could explain it 10 different ways and they'd all be right. Uh, but, but you need to understand this as a, as a simple idea to start with. In the metron of God's grace, in that sphere of where his grace applies to your life, you cannot burn out. Because he ever effortlessly and endlessly supplies everything that you need for what he has called you to. And know this, God has not called any of us to do anything unhealthy. Now, I'm, I'm speaking of health in terms of our spirit more than our physical body. But even in our physical body, it is awfully rare that we would see God call a person to do something that would actually harm their body, even a 40-day fast. Man, a lot of us would actually be really well off after a 40-day fast. You know, and I'm not, that's cruel to say that as we start camp, where we're going to eat nonstop like, like it's a, like a holy week for the Jewish people. It's, it's, anyways, all right. So, uh, so, so, so understand you cannot burn out in the thing God has called you to do. And if you are burning out, maybe it's time to analyze whether or not you're in the thing God has called you to do. Maybe you're holding on. Maybe you're, maybe you're, you're trying to control yourself. I mean, there's, like I said, we only got a half hour this morning. So I want to share three fallacies with you that people actually believe, and you yourself might actually be believing this morning, sitting here in church or watching online. And so three fallacies, uh, I want to walk through them and uh, give you a little bit more scripture as we go along. Uh, but guys, this is, this is tried, tested, and true stuff I'm sharing with you this morning from God's word and from personally living it through. And I probably will make mistakes again. Personally, I will make mistakes again in these areas, even though I'm far beyond having to make those mistakes. I, if you can relate to that, you should probably at least nod. Um, all right, fallacy number one. We shouldn't be tired. Now, I know people, and I'm not going to call you out this morning, but I know people, and by the way you're living your life, I would say that you believe you should never be tired. I just want to tell you, you're, you're nuts. You're bonkers. You're crazy. You're missing everything in life that's important. If you believe you should never be tired, what are you doing? So this has to be one of the more ridiculous lies that people are believing in our world today. Tired and in danger of burnout are two completely different things. Now, they might feel the same. In fact, in my experience, they feel the same. When I feel tired and I cannot recover with an appropriate amount of rest, I know right away I'm, I'm moving into an area of, of the danger zone, which, by the way, is probably a mile back from the edge of the cliff for me because I've learned that the boundary should never be at the edge of the cliff. The boundary should be set back from the edge of the cliff. That way, if someone pushes you a little, you don't fall to your death, right? So, so under just, just as wisdom... It's just how we parent our kids and, and parent the young adults and the youth in our church. This is what we talk about, right? Um, so tired and in danger burn are two completely different things. But somehow we forget that our lives are an offering to be poured out completely in whatever God calls us to do. Well, I'm too tired. Well, are you? Or at the risk of offending you, are you just being lazy? Are you, are you lacking grit? Have you lost your tenacity because of the situations of your life? I mean, guys, we planted a church, had four kids in five years, and I worked three jobs for the first 15 years of our church. That's why I burned out, <laughs> right? 
but, but still the grit and the tenacity was there. And you just can't overcome a pioneering spirit. You can't. And not everyone's going to have a pioneering spirit, and that's okay. But understand this. There is grit in this church that you can learn from and that you can lean on so that you can burn on instead of burn out. So um, let, me, let me talk to you about a few things that I, I want you to understand. Tired and burn out are two different things. Think about this. Whatever God calls you to, you cannot you cannot outrun his grace. You cannot outrun the provision he has for you. You can't work so hard that his provision won't meet your need. So God calls us to, so here's, here's, here's a few things. Raising your kids. Now, I know as a parent, we all feel exasperated would be the right word, probably. In fact, on a daily basis, we probably feel exasperated. But isn't it amazing that you still get up the next morning? And you still love those kids, even after you've been mad at them? And sometimes my mother is saying this on the front row. That just, jeez, nothing, nothing, like, nothing like that kind of support. But listen, raising your kids, you pour yourself out all the way, don't you? What is it that you wouldn't do for your kids, parents? It's pretty hard to find out, isn't it? It's like, because you think, oh, I would have this limit. Like, my, my kid does something stupid, I'm not bailing him out. Yeah, people say that until they're having to bail their kid out of something, Right? Here, here's, here's one for you. Pff, my kid did X, Y, Z. We'd separate. We'd break relationship. Until that happens to you, you don't realize that you have far more grace. Why? Because God has given you, the Bible says God has given you those children. That they're a gift from him. Very important to understand this. And so if it's a gift from God, can you outrun the grace he has for you? No, you can't. So you can do it. Here's a couple others. Your marriage. Here's the big three, I would say. Marriage, family, and ministry. In that order. In that order. Because if your marriage isn't healthy, your family never will be. If your family isn't ever healthy, your ministry never can be. And here's the problem for lots of the men and some of the women in this room. You're taking your ministry and putting it at the head of everything in your life. Well, I don't have a ministry. I'm not, I'm not in church. Everybody has a ministry. If you own a business, that's your ministry. If you work at McDonald's, that's your ministry. If you work at Canadian Tire, that's your ministry. And you have one whether you believe it or not. And you're equipped for it whether you believe it or not. And the problem is, is if you're burning out, it's because your priorities are out of place. You're not in the metron of God's grace. So important to understand this and then begin to live it out. Ministry is not for pastors only. In fact, the Bible limits my ministry as the pastor of this church to the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, I am also a saint, (laughs) and I have a ministry personally. But as the pastor of Generations Church, really, my, my role here is to encourage and teach and to enlighten and to press on with you towards the thing God has called you to do. Because we tried it where the pastor does everything, even though we said we wouldn't. And guess what? I burned out. We don't want you to burn out. It sucks. So the work of the ministry belongs to the saints, not the pastors and leaders. And that also means that the success belongs to the saints. It's funny, though, how when something fails, then I'll take the credit for that. right? But But that's what a good father does. 
Right? We own our mistakes, even if we don't. The good leaders own mistakes they didn't make for the sake of the team so that people can be encouraged and move forward and get better. Um, I think that the, the fallacy that we shouldn't be tired does lend to this temptation to be lazy, which only causes you to become more lethargic and feel more tired. Some of us know this personally as well, too. Till we're just paralyzed by what? We don't even know anymore. We just don't feel good. And so we sit there in a state of not feeling good, and we stay in the state of not feeling good, and our life begins to erode and things begin to fall apart because, in fact, we're not burning out at all. We're just being lazy in the season. So we got to resist that temptation. Laziness, apathy um, to the needs of what this world is. Man, this world needs Jesus. This city needs Jesus. The people in your neighborhood need Jesus. The people who work with you and for you, they need Jesus. And that is ever before you. Ever before you. That Anywhere you open your eyes and look around this city, you will see someone that needs Jesus, even in this room right now. Well, you might know Jesus, but you still need him today. And that's why we're here, because people need Jesus. Don't grow weary in doing what is good. It's Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You can feel tired doing good things, but you still get the reward. And when you get the reward, what is it? Worth it. Every single time. So we shouldn't be tired. That's a fallacy. You should be tired. And if you're not tired six days a week, I would just submit to you that you're doing it wrong. Serious. And if you're tired on the seventh day, that's okay, because by the end of the seventh day, you're going to feel refreshed. The Bible promises, Isaiah promises, if you wait on the Lord, he'll renew your strength. We'll get to that in a moment. Fallacy number two, and this one I've, I've lived through personally. I hate this thought, but I deal with it. I have dealt with it. I will deal with it again. Fallacy number two, seasons never end. This one is a killer. This is a leader killer in, in the world, in the church, in families parents who actually begin to believe this lie, they, they kind of start to quit and shut down when their kids need them the most. Uh, so the seasons never end a fallacy. This is one where people die inside because they feel like the hard thing will never end. God provides grace for the season you're in. He does every time. If he's called you to it, he's going to provide the grace for it. And, uh, and, and you need to remember that it's a season. Ecclesiastes 3.1 reminds us of this, that there is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. Just a little interesting note, the Hebrew word for that event, uh, I love the, the King James used to say for every purpose under heaven. You want to know what that Hebrew word means? It's actually delight, desire, or pleasure. There's a season for everything, for all the delight, for all the desire, and for all the pleasure under heaven. That's an amazing promise from God. But, but what do we begin to believe? When we believe the lie that seasons never end, we only ever see bad seasons. And we only ever think we're enduring bad seasons. And in that, we, you know, you might hate spring for some reason. And if you hate spring hard enough, you'll miss summer and fall. And you'll be right back to winter saying, oh, spring's just around the corner. What a ridiculous way to live life. We need to understand that, that God uses nature itself to remind us, to prove to us that there is a season for everything, for every good thing, for every pleasure, for every delight, for every desire under heaven. God has a season on it. There's a season on my life to be the lead pastor of this church. 
And it's by no means coming to an end next week or next year. But there will come a time, there will be a transition. There's a season for everything. And in your horrible situation, you need to remember that it's a season of life. It's a phase. Get what you can out of it. Because if you blink, you're going to miss it. We, we say this so many ways all the time in our church. Because seasons change. Camp is a season. So seven-week-long season of marathoning. Seven-day. Seven, seven, seven weeks is for a little... That vision's a little farther down the road for when we're running a major camp operation. And that's somewhere after... Somewhere after the building project, probably the tail end of my time in ministry, but it's there. I was talking with our leadership team a week ago or two weeks ago, saying, you know, I'm always five years ahead trying to get back to the team. Because I'm living, guys, it's Christmas to me for Generations Church. Like the winter season is here, that's my mind, my mind is months and months and months ahead, and it's frustrating for our team. It's always frustrating for a team of great people who make things happen day to day to deal with a leader, a visionary who is years, sometimes months and years out ahead of them. Because I'm useless to people out there for today. I can just tell you where we're going is really good. All right, I've, I've, been, scout, I've been scouting out the trail ahead. It's awesome. It's going to be a blast. And I'm just trying to get back to you so we can find our way there. Anyways, um, so the, 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 the part of this lie that comes with it is that the, the, the never-ending season is longer than the grace God is supplying. Now, this is one of those lies that has some truth in it because, in fact, if you try to stay in a season that God has closed, you will suffer the process of burnout. You'll, you'll start to feel it, and you'll start to wonder, and you'll think, God, God, is, God doesn't love me. He's withdrawing his anointing from me. No, you've just failed to transition the season. You're trying to hold on to something. And let me just tell you, anytime you're trying to hold on to something that God has given you, you are becoming a controller. You're becoming a controller. And God has not called us to have any kind of a spirit of control other than self-control. God doesn't give you his gift of event control. Anybody read that in the Bible? Oh, yeah, it's in there. It's in second hesitations, yeah. Event control, catastrophe control, emergency control. God doesn't doesn't give us provision for those kinds of control. Just fruit of the Spirit. Self-control, right? So, um, but it's a lie perpetuated on the truth, just a little bit, which Satan often does to us. If I stay in a season longer than God graced me for, I will indeed struggle and fail. But... When the season never ends and we're tempted to jump out early, it's a problem too. If I abandon my post before the season is over because of this lie, I will also struggle and fail and maybe even to the end of a greater tragedy. Because what we see often is people quit before the season's over. And the problem with people quitting in our experience over the years, over many, many, many years, um, I've, been, I've, been, like I've been in full-time ministry since I was... 18 or 19 years old. And people always quit just before it's about to get good. It's like one more, one more hill, one more bend in the road, and you're... <laughs> what does the Bible tell us? We read the verse already from Galatians. In due time, you will reap a harvest. If what? If you do not give up. 
We got to have grit. We got to have tenacity. We have to last through the season God has called us to, knowing that He has provision of grace for us for the season, the whole season, the entire season, even if it gets long, even if it gets colder than you thought, or hotter than you thought, or drier, or wetter. His grace is sufficient for what He calls us to. Third fallacy, my favorite one to pick on, maybe I can't. I can't, yeah, I hear a few groans. People hate this one because it sucks. What we can or can't do is irrelevant when the grace of God enters the scenario. Why? Because Philippians 4.13 says what? Somebody other than my mom or wife. Come on. Right? How many things? All things. Through Christ who gives me the strength. What we can or can't do becomes irrelevant in light of the grace of God and what he's called us to. What you can or can't do, therefore, is really about what you will or won't do. It's actually about what you will or what you won't do. And it's important to frame our mindset with a truth like that. Because when you find yourself in your sucky marriage your sucky job or your sucky family or what you perceive to be your sucky church. I can't. No, you won't. And this isn't a feel-good, uh, what's it, Tony Robbins? Just think positive thoughts. It's not about the positive thoughts. It's about getting the heart of God in you and understanding the provision because of his great love for you that allows you to do impossible things. The question, what you will or won't do, is the one that reveals where you're at in the process of surrender to Jesus. What you will or won't do indicates where you're at in the process. Will you stack chairs? No, I will not stack chairs. Well, if a leader asked you to stack chairs, I wouldn't just stack chairs. Well, it's just not my calling. Let me tell you something. Young people, I'm going to say young people so I don't offend the old people. If a leader asks you to stack chairs, whether you do or don't indicates where we're at in terms of our surrender to Jesus. Because the Bible tells us to do everything we do as unto Jesus. Everything is done unto him. And yeah, I still stack chairs. and unload chairs and pick up garbage off the floor. It's not below me. It's not beneath me to do. I've even been known to scrub toilets in this building. Actually, I haven't been known because I don't tell people. Hey, I just scrubbed the toilet, you guys. But make no mistake. Make no mistake. It reveals our submission to Jesus more than it reveals anything else. And I'm aware that we can always say, well, what about abusive leaders? What about blah, blah, blah? Stop making excuses for having a heart that says I can't when it's really a heart that's saying, I won't. Because you can. You can. In the right order, in the right place, in the right provision of grace, you can do all things through Christ who's giving you the strength to do it. Um, you get to choose. Uh, we see Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 dealing with a whole lot of very, if you read it for yourself this week, which we often 
kind of every week. I'm like, please read it for yourself. First um, Corinthians 15, he's dealing with a lot of, in my opinion, very tiring, depressing, difficult people and situations. He's, he's, he's doctrinal errors that need to be pastored out of the Corinthian church. And I can only imagine the arguments that had taken place in that church to prompt the leaders of that church writing a letter to Paul saying, what the heck do we do about this? And then Paul, the part that made it into the Bible, is writing in 1 Corinthians in response by the, by the, by the impartation of the Holy Spirit to deal with a conversation about whether or not there's a resurrection of the dead. And he has to point out to them, if you read it for yourself, he has to point out to them, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus wasn't resurrected. And if Jesus wasn't resurrected, we are all wasting our time here. And we should be, it actually goes on to say, we should be the most people pity on the face of this earth. Because we're throwing our lives away for nothing at all if Jesus is not raised from the dead. And so I can't even imagine if that was the conversation in our church that I had to deal with, I would start punching you guys in the face. I would lose all my godliness, all of my restraint. I'd be like, are you flipping kidding me? It would be, you need Carlisle to hold me back. Yeah, and Brad Karpiak too, just for good measure. And Jamie and Lee and Lauren, you need the whole works of them. Crazy, I can't even imagine the headache of that conversation. But you know what? It still happens today all over the place. People come and go from churches with their little doctrinal things or whatever, but they're forgetting that the world needs Jesus. <laughs> Women in ministry, oh, this or that, we're not Hebrew enough, we're not Jewish traditional enough, we're not blah, 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 yeah, whatever. Whatever. There's a commission, we're called to it, that's what we're going to do. Right? So, um, <sighs> I, love, I, I, I love that after all the pastoring and arguing in chapter 15, Arguing it out, Paul being corrective. Here, here's, what, here's, what, here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Here's the important part. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. What can you do? You can do everything. Why? Because of the provision of grace that's in your life to do that which God has asked or called you to do. Now, I know for some of you this might start feeling simple, but I think if the church it was embracing this as a whole, we would be able to be a lot more missional. We'd be able to get a lot more done, and the people who do a lot would be a lot more rested. This is my challenge to our church. Your work is not in vain in the Lord. His grace is sufficient at all times for you and for me. So let's figure out what you're called to and then take steps from there or as it probably is in most cases, let's start taking the steps and figure out what you're called to as we go. Because I'm one of those weird people that at five years old, I had heard from God, I knew in my spirit, my soul, to the core of my being, what God was calling me to do with my life. And I, I, I was actually shocked to realize most people didn't know what that was. Because that's just how I was. It's how I grew up. It's what my parents supported. So I was fortunate, I suppose, or graced. And you might be sitting here in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s, God help you, going, I still don't know what I'm here to do. That's okay. Just let's start taking the steps. Let's start taking the steps, and we'll do the next right thing. And before you know it, 
you will find yourselves in the provision of God's grace for your life doing the thing that he's called you to do. Because honestly, it's just not that hard to find or figure out. We just got to do what he says. Do the next thing. Hear his voice. Learn to hear him. Trust the people he puts around us. Walk with them. Submit under leadership. Walk it out. Guys, you can't outrun the grace of God. Too much of the conversations around God's grace is about permission to sin. Like the Bible deals with that so fast. Should we sin that grace may abound? May it never be. End of story. Done. That's all the Bible wants to say about that part of it. What grace is, is a divine empowerment from God to overcome, to tear down, to destroy, to build up. I mean, it's an, grace is an amazing thing. It's a terrible tragedy when religious people relegate it to this battle between good and evil. God's grace is so much more than that. What a disservice it does to the whole kingdom and to this world to relegate God's grace to an issue of sin or not sin. That's elementary. Let's move on to the meat. Let's move on to the mature things in grace. Okay? Um, priorities have to be set aligned with God's grace so that we can know what it is to Isaiah 40, 31 all the way through life. Isaiah 40, 31, some of you have memorized this, I know, but this is what it says. Yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. It's a promise from God's word. If you wait on the Lord, you'll gain new strength. This is the principle of rest. It's obedience to what God has asked people to do. And when you do that thing, you will have the oil, if you will, to burn on rather than burn out. And I want to close with this. The worship team can come back. Ecclesiastes 3, 11, and 12. Just in. <laughs> you could read, well, man, you could read all of Ecclesiastes 3 this week as well. 1 Corinthians 15, Ecclesiastes 3. There's your reading assignment for the week. Um, it says this, He has made everything appropriate in its time. He's made everything appropriate in his time. He has also set eternity in their hearts. That's the hearts of men, you and I. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end, I know there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor, it is a gift of God. Your labors are a gift from God. Your job, your ministry, your family, your children, your spouse, all of these are gifts from God. And you could never convince me that God does not provide grace for the things he gifts to us. It's, it's like, we're going to talk about it this week at Bible camp. Some other fallacies. Um, I, don't, I don't want to take away from too much of Amy's hard work, but she asked me the question, um, was it, what does pink smell like? I know, I'm sorry. Okay, what does blue smell like? It's the, it's the wrong kind of question. It, it's not, it, there's, no, there's nothing quantitative you can get from that. When you ask the question about what God wants to do in your life, to, to try and identify what, what color is the word of God or the will of God. 
What does God's will for my life smell like? It's the wrong kind of question. Does God really give us grace? Well, the Bible says it is, so any question to that is the wrong question. I feel like I'm burning out. What am I doing wrong? Did God screw up? Did I mess up? I don't know what to do. Well, here's a great place to start. Let's start having a conversation about it. Start talking through it. Quit trying to deal with it all on your own. Quit trying to think that you have the answers in yourself. Because God graced you with a community of people to help you walk it out. That's what the brotherhood, the family of believers is for. I'm not good at parenting. None of us were. Some of us got better. And those some of us could help you maybe. My marriage sucks. Yeah, some people figured out marriage here. I hope you're understanding this. All these things God has called you to do are a gift for him. Whether it's scrubbing a toilet, serving at Bible camp, going to your job tomorrow morning, it's a gift from God. And it should be honored as a gift from God because it's graced as a gift from God. And because of him, you and I can handle it. So you can burn out or you can burn on. The choice will be yours. Can or can't, not the right thing. Not the right question. Will or won't is the right question. Let's pray together. Um, we can stand. We, uh, we tricked you this morning. Oh, I totally forgot why I brought that up here. That was important, but it's not a part of the service now. There's a whole great thing about a manifold and how it works and how you have to disconnect from things to connect with the right things. We'll get to it in the fall or something. I want to pray with you this morning. But first, like always, you're standing in this place this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. That is the only way. Jesus himself was the one who said, no one can come to the Father except through me. And we take that literal at this church. And there might be a piece of your heart that is not connected to God. And you know what? It needs to come through the person of Jesus. How that works, we ask him to forgive our sin. Even if we don't know what sin is, we ask him to forgive our sin. And we turn from the things that he calls sin in our life. We make him the boss of our life. And then we begin to walk out in faith the new thing that he starts in us. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come forward as we sing this last song. And let one of us pray with you. Maybe you have sickness in your body. Maybe your relationships are frustrated. Your, your marriage is falling apart. Your family is in chaos. Whatever it is, you don't have to leave this place the same way that you came in this place this morning. Someone here can loan you a little faith and stand with you for the thing that you need from God this morning if you'll just take a step and trust Him just a little bit. His presence is here. He does, He wants to meet your need. But you got to come and make your life the offering. You gotta come and be the altar and be the sacrifice for God to come and get involved in the mess of who you are. Best decision you'll ever make. I wanna pray with you about what we talked about this morning. And uh, we kinda tricked you. You're all practically already up here for the altar call today. Like, you're, 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 you're almost all here. So. If you need prayer, you just got to shuffle a few feet forward. It'll be okay. The prayer team's going to come. We'd love to stand with you and pray with you today. Father, I thank you for every person that's in this room, for every person who's watching online and will watch later this week. 
And Jesus, I thank you that your grace is sufficient for us in anything and everything that you've called us to. Lord, that your heart is not to burn us out, but to cause us to burn on for you, Lord, because you are an all-consuming, ever-burning fire. Jesus, that we are not a lamp under a bushel, but a city on a hill. And Lord, for anyone who is struggling with the receiving of your grace this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move right now on them in this moment. That they would sense your moving in their heart in a very real way. Lord, we want you. We want you to call us. We want you to speak to us. We want you to tell us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.